this cast, I'm sure you realize, is an insane and glorious assortment of humans. We actually got a sneak peek, a little early FaceTime, and she's freaky. In a good, good way. My head just burst. Just burst yeah, right she, off my shoulder. She had a moment. I did. I'm Chris Hamill, president of Gateway Film Center. Welcome to the Columbus premiere of Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. Now, you're also at a Fright Club screening. If you have been here before, welcome back. If you haven't, it's really awesome that we get to host the Fright Club folks every second Wednesday, um, where they typically screen a film from the past that maybe you haven't seen, and you get to see it for the first time on the big screen. The, this month, they pulled off this really cool The Dead Don't Die screening, so it's pretty awesome. Um, they're also, if you've never heard the podcast, the podcast is nominated for the best podcast in Columbus. And uh, yeah, you should clap. And they'll find out at the Columbus Podcast Awards, which will be right here in August. So stay tuned for more information about that. Um, one of the really great things about getting to have a film center and getting to be in my job is you get to meet people like Hope and George. And if you haven't met them yet, you should do that tonight while you're here. And if you have met them, you know as well as I do that they are two amazing human beings. And you should clap really loud for them right now. Tell them how much you love them. Also, it's because of them you got this screening. Without further ado, Hope and George. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. For everybody coming out. This is We're so excited about this. Uh, we know you are too. As Chris said, we usually do a, an underseen horror gem. 99.9% .9 of the time chosen by Hope. I just stay out of the way, which is a good idea. <laughs> but uh, this month, thanks to Cicely from the Owens Group, we got the chance to host the premiere of The Dead Don't Die, and we are so geeked about it because how many times have you been watching this trailer? Every single day. I watch this trailer every day just to make myself happy when he goes, ghouls. I'm just so happy. <laughs> it does. It makes you happy. So uh, this is going to be one where usually it's not many people have seen it. This right. time it's nobody has right. seen it, which is so great. So that's exciting. And we also, because of that, had to find, we, we usually, if you haven't been to Fright Club before, we usually work on a theme the top five Satans in horror movie or, or what that. have you. Yes, we've uh, done But that. this time we had to say, okay, what theme could we pick to go along with The Dead Don't Die? And what did we come up with? This cast. This cast, I'm sure you realize, is an insane and glorious assortment of humans. But one of the things that I thought was super cool about this uh, cast from the beginning is that they've almost all been in a bunch of horror movies, right? Danny Glover is in this movie. Obviously, he's in Saw. Carol Kane is in this movie. She's the one who says Chardonnay, right? She's from the original When a Stranger Calls. Of course, Tom Waits is in it. He was Renfield in Dracula. Mm -hmm. Iggy Pop is in it, and I love him. Also, he's in a couple. He's in one called Suck and one called Gutter Damerong. I bet none of you have seen either of those, and they're no good. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so they won't be making the list tonight. They will not. I think that's a spoiler. They will not. But yeah, but everybody, you know, I mean, so many of the people in this film have been in really great horror movies that we love. And a couple of them actually are, are a little bit underseen as well. So yeah. we get to kind of stick with our, our, our regular theme yeah. of highlighting movies you should see. But they're all great. And uh, before we get to that, before we get to our top five, we do want to say, if you didn't know, that there's a special guest coming to Gateway this weekend. And uh, her name is Annabelle. The Annabelle doll from the Annabelle movies is going to be right here watching with you, if you come, hopefully, on Saturday afternoon, The Lost Boys, part of Horror 101. 
It's going to be showing, and Annabelle is going to be here watching with you. And then after, we're going to have a little happy hour, a little hang time with Annabelle. That's right. So uh, if you want to get some more information about that on the way out, we've got some flyers down here for you. But That's right. But do not miss, because we, we actually got a sneak peek, a little early FaceTime, and she's freaky in a good, good way. And actually, I, I was realizing, looking at her, that if I braided my hair and put on a white dress, I would be alarmingly similar in, in looks. Annabelle, and I'm feeling kind of bad about myself now. To be and maybe we'll do that in private. Boom, chicka, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Did I say that out loud? You did. <laughs> Is this mic on? <laughs> All right. Okay, so we want to get to it. We've got a top five best horror movies from this cast, as as we've as it's been called, the best cast ever disassembled, and that is hard to uh, hard to argue with. You want to get rolling? I do. I know we want to get rolling. Let's go to number five. It's a shy student trying to reach. Family in where? Ohio. Ohio. A gun-toting tough guy trying to find the last Twinkie and a pair of sisters trying to get to an amusement park. Joining forces in Zombieland with Bill Murray. Hey, Moore. Hey, Moore. How do you do it? Just give me a little hand. In the words of uh, hey, the immortal uh, philosophy example, uh, Sarge, over Overwap. <laughs> so that was the great after credit scene that was, with yeah. Bill Murray. But the best, the best news about that is, and I saw somebody's here has a has a double tap T-shirt on tonight. Zombieland Double Tap is coming out this October. That's right. Which the tenth anniversary. Can you yes. believe it's been ten years since Zombieland? I find that crazy. So, and it's uh, the same cast. Yeah. Same writers. They wrote the Deadpool films as well. Same director who has actually sucked except for Zombieland. But everything else, I think he's going to get his mojo back. Yeah, and this was actually, depending on different accounts that, that you read, Bill Murray was kind of a last second uh, it's supposed to be Joe Pesci. And I think it was, at one point it was supposed to be Patrick Swayze, oh. uh, depend, depending on different, different accounts. But it was a, a, a last-minute call. I think Woody Harrelson said, well, I can get Dustin Hoffman and or Bill Murray on the phone. And the producers were like, yes and yes. And they got Bill Murray, and it come down, and that's got to be one of the best cameos ever. Oh, absolutely. I remember when we reviewed this movie, and I, I wouldn't, at the time I didn't say who the cameo was, but I just said, if Jesus showed up in a zombie movie, it wouldn't have been a better cameo. And I stand by that. That's a I, hot take. It is a hot take. That is a hot take. And while we're talking about Zombieland and Woody Harrelson, and we're here at The Ohio State University, we have to, we have to pour one out for Woody, who back in the day got arrested. Right here. Who hasn't? But who has who hasn't gone on to star in Zombieland? That's right. That's right. He, Not I th me. I think the I think the charge was disorderly conduct. But if you look it up, all he was doing was dancing in the street. <laughs> which I mean, that happens on a random Tuesday, and and, and nobody's getting arrested. This one it, it's funny because it came out of an idea that originally was for a TV show. Right. That had that would feature the zombie kill of the week, which actually I like that. Oh, as absolutely. A, as a TV series. Yeah. So let's hope that, again, yeah. that those cast and these writers really can elevate his right. work in the uh, For Zombieland, double tap. That's right. Looking forward to that. So that is number five on our The Dead Don't Die cast list for uh, favorite horror as we move up to number four. And this one's from 2013. It's a depressed musician reuniting with his lover, only lovers left alive, and Tilda Swinton. What is it? You look tired. Can't you tell your wife what your problem is? It's the way they treat the world. And now they've succeeded in contaminating their own blood, never mind their water. You're looking awfully pale there, Dr. Caligari. Is that the really good stuff? Precisely. What is that? Oh, negative. 
biggest, the first thing I always remember about this movie is when it first came out, they had a they had a critic screening, and Hope was out of town, and so I got to see it like I don't know two weeks before you did, and yeah. man, did she take that out on me bad? Yeah, I was unhappy. I could not bring it up at all. No. Touchy. No, I was really unhappy about it. But it's so great. Of course, it is Jim Jarmusch as well. It is. So, th- so this is Jim Jarmusch's first horror film. And I remember at the time thinking, yes, please. But also, I'm like, vampires, really? Which is kind of the same reaction I had when I saw uh, the first trailer for The Dead Don't Die. I'm like, he's making zombies right now. But the thing is, it's like, there's nothing he can't do gloriously. You know, um, this movie, the, the uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, everything about it was so just perfect. The casting was perfect. Mm. Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston, yeah. who play Eve and Adam. And she's in Marrakesh, but she needs to go fly and find him because he's very depressed and he's living naturally in Detroit. And it's this whole love story set in Detroit. And just, it's so well organized. It's so well put together. It's so glorious to look at, which you can tell from that trailer. Yeah. I just think that uh, everything about it was, and it's like, like we didn't realize in advance that Tilda Swinton was the coolest person left on the planet. This movie was like, no, totally. That's totally the case. And, of course, if you watch uh, the TV show, what we do in the shadows, she just <laughs> reprised this role along with a lot of other very famous vampires here in the last few weeks, which is great. That's right. Because, yeah, she, lo- she looks in that, in that episode exactly, pretty much exactly what she looks like here. Yeah, and Paul Rubens is also in that episode, and he's dressed just like he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And to have Paul Rubens and Tilda Swinton on the same screen, my head just burst. Just burst yeah, right she, off my shoulders. She had a moment. I did. And, uh, but what, if I remember, the other thing I remember about this movie is that it was right in the middle of Twilight mm-hmm. Fever, yeah. which was great because other movies were trying to take shots at the Twilight phenomenon at the time, but this one did it so well, especially the ending. Oh, uh, yeah. It just was so pitch perfect, the way it handled vampires and the whole vampire lore. Yeah. And, uh, and you, as you said, it looks fantastic. Just that shot that they show in the trailer, the, the spiraling camera that he does a few times, I just I love the way the whole thing is shot. Uh, Detroit or no, it looks great. <laughs> And like you said, what can the tilde? Because for here, here to four, we just call her the tilde. Yeah, can't do this. is This is fantastic. Well, and the truth is, we I kicked around. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the tilde. Uh, and one of the ones we're not going to really talk a lot about, though, that I I debated putting on the list, but I don't think technically it's a horror film. It though is we need to talk about Kevin, which oh. is borderline horror anyway. It's certainly horrific to watch. And is a brilliant movie, and is uh, Tilda Swinton's performance, and we need to talk about Kevin, is, as far as I'm concerned, the best piece of acting I have ever seen. I've never seen a better performance in my life than Tilda Swinton in that movie. But you have, you're have, you right, it's not a horror movie, but it is so horrific, it's so hard to watch. I mean, I recommended it to a friend of mine who watched it and then wanted to punch me in the face. <laughs> because it just, it will just rip your yeah. soul out. It does, it but really does. Good Lord, good Lord, it's good. But so that's advertising. Check <laughs> it out, for real. <laughs> <laughs> why, why isn't that our quote on a movie poster? It will rip your soul out. Go see it. So, uh, but we're getting off the track. Number four on our list tonight is Only Lovers Left Alive. Another one from Jim Jarmusch and Tilda Swinton. That's number four. As we move up to number three, speaking of the Tilda, and we always should be, a darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company. Yeah, I know, you know. From last year, Suspiria. When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. You empty yourself so that her work can live within you. Do you understand? Yeah. You're in a company now. You have to find your right place. You have to decide. What is it you want to be for this company? Is it the head? The spine? The sex? The heart? 
the hands. I want to be this company's hands. Luca Guadagnino had some big shoes to fill. I mean, that was the cojones saying, I'm going to remake Suspiria. And George is not a giant fan of the original. I, I do like the original quite a bit, mm -hmm. but um, we both agree that this is better. Oh, I think, it's, I think it's way, way better. I think it adds so much to it. And, and even now, especially when it first came out, but even now, stumble across discussions on certain horror movie boards or whatever, and go, I'm, I'm really interested reading, going back and forth between the camps. I mean, the people that just don't like this at all, which is fine. I mean, you like what you like. Uh, but I think this one is so much better than the original. It takes, because at the time, I think in, in interviews, the tilde said it was just like a, it was a cover version, which right. I think that yeah, fits. It's not too. a straight remake no. because it adds at least an hour running time and it adds so much more heft to the story, I think, that makes it so much more meaningful. And a lot of people pointed out, you know, the colors, yeah. the color scheme. Yeah, yeah. But that, I think that was, it's obviously, it was obviously a conscious choice to make it different. And I, I totally respect that. One of the things that I found interesting when the movie came out was how many people said it was not a horror film. Yeah. And I thought, did you see that same dance? That dance where her <laughs> whole jaw winds up in the back of her head? Or, and, and there's more blood oh. in that final sequence than in the entirety of the Halloween remake, which was, I think we'll all agree, a horror movie. Yeah. So I was, that really surprised me a lot. But, and I thought Dakota Johnson was very good. Yep. Uh, I thought the whole cast was very good, but Tilda just owned it. And, 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 of course, speaking of the cast, Tilda played multiple roles. She did play. She played three roles. And it was fun. I watched it late after it came out. I watched it with my twin sister, who is actually a dancer-choreographer. Uh, and Pina Bosch is her hero, and that's who Tilda Swinton patterned her character after. And then our niece, my oldest niece, who is also a dancer. So it was exciting to watch it with them. Uh, so that I could, for the only time ever, watch a dance performance and feel superior to them because they were like, ah! <laughs> I'm, like <laughs> I'm seeing it. It's fine. That's Tilda Swinton, by the way. Can you believe that? Yeah, and they tried, you know, the fact that one of the roles she plays, of course, is the doctor. Yeah. And they tried to keep that under wraps as much as they could. Um, and they even, you know, gave him a the, name. A name, the, right. The actor. Because uh, I think they felt that the, the movie is so feminine-based and so based on motherhood and things like that that as much as they could, they had females play all the roles. And as you've pointed out before when we've discussed this movie, the males that are in the, the cast and in the movie are not just mocked, they're toyed with by all the other, the female, the females in power. Right. And it's funny because... If you were just to think of a film off the top of your head where the females in the film really weren't treated as, as fully human beings, right? I mean, it's not hard to come up with. Uh, and, and it's not necessarily even a bad thing, you know? Um, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is a great movie. There's not a female in the entire film. But I thought it was really fascinating to maybe for the first time watch a movie where the males, the ones who were played by men, really were insignificant and to a certain degree, uh, you know, yeah, they were toyed with, their, their sexuality was mocked, mm -hmm. their bodies were sort of objectified um, in a disrespectful way. Um, not in a way that I think that the film was a man-hating film at all. It was simply the idea that these characters had no need for men whatsoever. And, um, and I think that it was also interesting. It's not as if they were all noble. They, they really weren't. Some of them were super bad people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not as if they were really trying to say anything like women are great. It was just this, this fascinating sort of microcosmos where that's all that mattered to these people were what other women had to say and had to think and what were, they were doing. And I don't think that that's an uncommon thing to see in any film 
among men. I don't think it's uncommon at all. I love the film The Revenant. I love that movie so much. But there are only there's one dead woman in it, and then there's one other woman who is raped repeatedly. And other than that, it's all men in the movie. And Doesn't mean it's not a, that. And the bear, the bear might have been a mama. So <laughs> she was pretty badass. She was that bear man. Yeah, hell of an actor. <laughs> it's just fun. It was just fun to see a film where that was kind of tipped on his head. Yeah, and there's there's so much, so many themes going on in this movie that it, it's one of those that bears really begs repeated viewings yes. and repeated discussion. And that's why I, I've kind of peeked in on a lot of these online uh, discussions about it, just to get other people's takes, because I find it very fascinating when somebody, when a movie that I love so much uh-huh. and thought it was so superior to the original, just disagrees completely. Sometimes they have good reasoning behind it. I right. just don't agree with it. Right. You well, know, the original is a much beloved movie. It I really know, is. I know. So, I, you know, and, and this is a very, very different film. Yeah. And it just, uh, it just added a lot to it. And of course, Three, three or four uh, aspects of that is the Tilda's That's right. uh, performance in Suspiria. And that is number three in our top five movies, of the horror movies, the cast of The Dead Don't Die. And let's move it up to number two. This is one we've talked about. If you're a Fright Club listener, a Fright Clubber, trademark, uh, <laughs> you, uh, you've heard us talk about this one a lot. It's a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, hiding his alternate psychopathic ego from his co-workers, Chloe Sevigny in American Psycho. Jean? Yes, Patrick? Would you like to accompany me to dinner? That is, if you're not doing anything. Um, no, no, I don't have any plans. (laughs) Listen, where should we go? Anywhere you want. (laughs) Let's not think about what I want. How about anywhere you want? What about... Dorcia? Oh, how I love this movie. Uh, as I've mentioned, most of the time that we've uh, talked about this, every time, it's one of those movies that if it's on a cable, whatever it might be on, even if it's the edited version and I'm flipping channels, I'm stopping, I'm watching it, and it, it's funnier every time. It is. It's just, the, it's just the most perfect sort of spiteful look at the 80s. Yeah. And, of course, Christian Bale is, is perfection in this role. And, and it is so, you know, I had to kill a lot of people today. <laughs> just makes me laugh so hard every time. But what, what I think is interesting, particularly Chloe Sevigny is the one who's in this film, and she and Kara Seymour. Kara Seymour plays the prostitute that comes back a second time because she's just not thinking clearly. Right. Um, and, and the two of them are so, like, vulnerable and tender that it, it, it's, it, it would be easy with the rest of the cast, who are mostly superficial and horrible people. It would be very easy with that cast. Tom, Tom's leaving. He has reservations at Dorcia. <laughs> How did you get a table? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> that, it, that with the rest of the cast, with the rest of the characters, it would be very easy to just see this as a black comedy and just kind of root for people to kill other people. And what I think was really fascinating about Chloe Sevigny's character and also Kara Seymour's character is that suddenly you don't. You think these are like these are like real humans. These are nice people, and you you really hope that he's not going to put that nail through the back of her head, you know, and he's not going to drop that chainsaw. On her, although you do kind of wish he would drop the chainsaw because he looked so good in this movie. <laughs> it's interesting, though. Uh, Chloe, Chloe Sevigny was the only one, from what I've read, of the cast to make it from when it was. Because for a while, it was attached to Oliver Stone. Yeah. Uh, Mary Heron dropped out because they wanted Leo Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio. Yeah. to play Patrick Bateman. And she was dead set against that. She wanted Christian Bale. Christian Bale, of course. So then when it switched for a while, uh, Oliver Stone had an entirely different cast set up. But... 
Chloe was still playing Jean, which and she made it over to the uh, the other cast as well. And she actually brought some not only some interest but a little bit of background because apparently her brother did at the time or may still work on Wall Street. Mm. Uh, who and he may or may not be a psycho. But <laughs> It's such a time capsule movie. I mean, can you imagine if Oliver Stone had made this movie? I'd have been subtle, wouldn't it? That'd have been a subtle <laughs> film. <laughs> I mean, I think judging on some of the the speeches that they show on TV uh, from Reagan in the movie, I think they pinpointed it to be taking place. I think maybe 88, 87, 88, something like that. That sounds right, because uh, it was already the downslide for some yeah. of the uh, middle of the road bands that he likes to listen so, <laughs> to so much. So. But it's such a perfect time capsule of that late 80s period. And I didn't read the book, but apparently the Mary Heron's take on it is even more bloody and sadistic than the book is, which is, you know, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. She wrote it. I mean, she, uh, she adapted the screenplay. She directed it. And she had a very clear vision. I mean, there's not... There is not uh, an image out of place. And we've t- said this before, but my favorite thing about this movie is that she filmed all of the scenes with Willem Dafoe three times. She filled them, he's the, the detective. She filled them once as if he had no idea what was going on, once as if he was sure Patrick Bateman was a murderer, and once as if he was sure Patrick Bateman was not the murderer. And then she just shuffled which one she used from scene to scene. And I, that is just absolutely genius. And it... And it's not like Willem Dafoe is not automatically a weirdo on screen. He totally is. But he's so much more that in this because you're like, what is the deal with this guy? Yeah. Well, and that's why. Yeah, it's, it, it's great. Just love it so much. We and love it so much that we're going to show it in December. It is our December Fright Club. Merry Christmas. That's right. It was Merry Christmas to George because he was complaining that we never show anything anybody's ever seen. Yeah, I, I, stomped, <laughs> I stomped my feet. I held my breath and said, can I pick one? Can I pick one? And I did get one, so yeah, so that, that is uh, number two on our Fright Club list tonight. So before we get to number one, uh, I had a lot of people, we had a lot of people at the happy hour eyeing some T-shirts and saying, how do we, hey, how do we get ourselves a T-shirt? Well, the cool thing is we want to give them away right now. We put a little card that said winner under some seats. So, so if look you want to check seats. your seat right now, a few people have won some T-shirts for the dead don't die. You got one up there in the top? Yeah. You want to thank Cicely for that. She brought all the swag. She brought on the T-shirts. Thank you, Cicely. So if you got, where are they? We got all our winners? All right. Look at you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Derek, we had nothing to do with this. Old man Spencer, we didn't know. There's going to be bloodshed in this theater. This guy. (laughs) But Cicely's getting a T-shirt, so so thank you. We got the sixth one. That's Was there five? So, yeah, there's a total of six. So it, there's two still out there. Look under other people's seats. There are two T-shirts still out there. Well, and then I think the last one, aren't we going to have like a, a, a battle royale to the death? Yeah. All right, so <laughs> she went to get the shirt. So congratulations to the winners. And we got to move on. We got a movie to watch here in just a few minutes. So let's get to number one on our list of horror movies from the cast of The Dead Don't Die, and this is a young African-American visiting his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend. Of course, Caleb Landry Jones in Get Out. So, Chris, what's your sport? Football? Baseball? Basketball, mostly, I guess. You an MMA fan? Dude. Dude, what? What? Hey, Jeremy, why don't we uh, let someone else have the floor for a second? You're dating my sister, right? 
He's dating my sister. You had your chance. I can't get to know the guy. Caleb Landry-Jones actually has been in a ton of, of horror movies. And uh, one of them is Byzantium, which I like a lot. And I really wanted the Run, Rabbit, Run scene for this, but you can't tell it's him because he's got that thing on his face. But that scene creeps me out in the worst way. That song yeah. is super creepy. I'm glad you brought that scene up because that's one of – this is another movie that just begs so much discussion over and over. It's so great. It's so brilliant. But there are scenes like that that call back because you remember when they're having uh, – the dinner when he first comes over to the house yes. and they're playing around about, you know, play fighting and yeah. martial arts and things yeah. like that. And they says he was just about to put you in a headlock. And then if you were in that, that's a yeah. callback to that first scene where he put him in the headlock, but you couldn't, couldn't see it was him. And it's the same way in the, uh, another one of the callback scenes, kind of the subtle, uh, brilliant scenes in this movie is when uh, they get pulled over early by the cop and Rose makes such a deal about not, wanting needing to see his id because right. he wasn't driving which at the time you take in a totally different way because you think well it's because he's a racist cop and she's standing up for him well but he's that, still a racist cop he is still a racist cop but she's but not standing up for him. exactly she's trying she to make to sure that there's no record of the fact cover that he's her out tracks here. which yeah. you see it in a totally different context later what are which, you saying that jordan peele is a genius i'm saying that it's this is such a well-written and well-directed movie it has so many layers to it, and that's just a, a couple of the little scenes that you can pick out later right. uh, and talk about, and this in, invites so much discussion. Love it. But, yeah, he's, he's a guy. In fact, just in that year alone, uh, in 2017, he was in this. He was in uh, American Made, Three Billboards, and The Florida Project. The Florida, I know. Yeah. yeah. He's in everything, and he's always really good, and he's got a cr- tremendous amount of range. And one of the things I love the most about this film is that it's already very uncomfortable, this meeting with the mom and the dad, and they're talking, I'd have voted for Obama a third time, and it's very an uncomfortable thing until he shows up. And then it's a whole other level of like, oh, this is so creepy racist. I can't get over that this is happening. And I think that's when you recognize it's not like we thought the visit was going to go well, but it's when he shows up that you recognize something so sinister is afoot. This is just this is just going to go terribly. I think that the scene right here, which is a weird thing to point out, like to somebody's death scene, I love the noise he makes, and I love the way he shakes on the floor. I just think he's really committed. I like when somebody really is all in when they're getting murdered by somebody else. <laughs> That's important. It is. I think so. So that is uh, number one get out on our list of horror movies from the cast of The Dead Don't Die, which we are going to see here in just a few minutes. Who's excited for this premiere? Oh, this is so much fun. And keep in mind, if you haven't, if you came in late, uh, Fright Club, we do it right here once a month, the second Wednesday of every month here at the Gateway Film Center. We show usually an underseen gem that you did have a chance to see but didn't and talk about it and have a lot of fun and have some drinks and have a great time kind of just coming together as uh, we love to do here at the Gateway and our love of horror movies. So uh, this podcast should be live on Monday, all the usual places that you get podcasts or uh, you can always find it uh, on our website, which is madwolf.com. We love to keep the horror conversation going as we always do. You can find us on Twitter. That's easy. We're at Fright Club Pod. And if you do have the opportunity to come back out next month, we are showing the film We Are the Flesh, which is quite an event. I mean, look at that face. Right. Just to give you haven't seen the film, just to give you a sense, our podcast topic is going to be body fluids. Body fluids and horror is our podcast topic. Please come back out. Bring a towel. And the- <laughs> Bring a towel. And there are plenty of body fluids in this movie. Oh. So 
We hope to see you back then. Ken, thank you enough for coming out tonight. Congratulations to all of our, of our prize winners. Everybody that got one of those super cool coffee mugs. Oh, my God, yeah. With the hot and the cold, that's sweet, and, and the T-shirts. Again, thanks to Cicely from the Owens Group for setting this up for us. Uh, don't forget, Annabelle is going to be here on Saturday watching the Lost Boys with you and then having a little uh, happy hour photo op thing. And thanks to Chris and everybody at the Gateway, as always. So uh, who's ready to see the dead don't die? Yeah. All right. Until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay faithful, my friends! Yay! Thank you so much. One hour and 45 minutes later. Well, that was fun. It was fun. <laughs> and even though it did make the official list, because we hadn't seen it yet, right. I think that we should cover cover it. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it. We've just seen The Dead no Don't Die. And no spoilers whatsoever. But but it's funny. It is funny. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, it definitely has some social commentary about it. But for anybody that's forgotten, and people that listen to this podcast probably have not forgotten, you go back to the beginning of zombie movies, and it was very much a political statement. Oh, absolutely. Very I mean, much. If you start with the you know the living dead zombies, not the old sort of uh, voodoo zombies, but right. Romero, the right. Romero zombies. And there are many, many, many odes to many. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Romero, generally speaking, throughout yeah. this movie. But it's funny because it, they're just odes to everything, to there nerds, are. to horror nerds. To to sci-fi nerds, to it's just, it's such a loving. Let's just nerd out right yeah, now, kind of I, a movie. I tried to catch as many as I could, but then as I was watching the um, final credits go, and of course they give all the thanks yes. and all the. There were a lot I missed. <laughs> a lot I yeah, missed. Yeah, it's one of the things uh, about the movie. There are so many in jokes and visuals and things. You just need to watch it repeatedly. Yeah. You just really do. And it, yeah, and it's going to be one of those ones that's quotable. Oh I mean, my goodness! I'm yes. already bef- before we saw it, we were doing ghouls. ghouls. But now it's going to be dead hipsters. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's going to be my new favorite quote. Dead hipsters from Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really it's just so deadpan through the whole thing. It really is. Uh, The the interplay between the characters, especially between Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Driver. Oh my God, hilarious. And then then everything the Tilda does. The Tilda is fantastic. (laughs) And she has quite, her character has quite a twist that you probably won't see coming. Probably not. I know I didn't. No. But, uh, you know, we're certainly not going to spoil that. But it's it's really, I think I could see this one. You know, Jim Jarmusch, he's niche Well, here's, you know, but what I was thinking the whole time watching it is that this is the first outright comedy Jim Jarmusch has ever made. Now he's got the coffee and cigarettes movies have uh, have comedic bursts mm-hmm. in them, but you know when you watch a Jim Jarmusch film, any of them, you don't think to yourself laugh riot, <laughs> yeah. you know. But and yeah. it, but and for a comedy, it's a very Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah, it is, and not only will I think it could be. It's it's very quotable from the first viewing, but I could see this one really becoming getting a cult following. Yeah, I think so too. I, I really do because it's it's got the zombie basics. I mean, sure. there are zombies, there are flesh eating, sure. and things like that. But it does. It has that deadpan comedy. It has some fourth wall stuff. Yeah. Um, that sh- that is maybe different from a lot of fourth wall stuff. We're being very careful not to say anything, but I I think especially if you are fans of horror, obviously that you are because you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) you're going to like this. And um, I'm really going to be interested to see, like we were talking before about uh, how the horror community reacts to certain 
movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm really going to be interested to see the uh, reaction to this movie because I thought it was a gas. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought it was but, incredibly funny. Uh, but, you know, uh, not certainly um, a quick pace. No, not, no. You know, I mean, it, it, it takes its time. It's a lackadaisical. <laughs> but that's the thing. Everything about it from the pacing to the delivery is just so deadpan, like yeah. you said. Yeah, and the tone. He, oh, my he God. sets a tone from the beginning, and that's the tone. Yep. And uh, I, I, I do think it works. I do think it works. And it's funny because we talked about the next Fright Club live, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be um, We Are the Flesh. But we didn't mention the next Fright Club, the next one we do in the studio, yep. is going to be since, look at the calendar, right. it's uh, almost half a year is over. So that means it's time to count down our top ten so far this year That's in right. horror movies, right. and I don't know, there's a good chance we might be talking about uh, this I one later. I think we might. Uh, so that's going to be the next studio uh, Fright Club, but we're jumping the gun here a little bit. So I'll tell you what, it was such a great time. We had such a great crowd, uh, probably the biggest that we've ever had. Yeah, well, um, they put us in the big room. The big room. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so again, thanks to everybody, Cicely from the Owens Group and, and Chris and, uh, and Grace and everybody here. Uh, the tech team. That's right, the Everybody tech team. here at the uh, Gateway <laughs> Film Center. It, it's always a blast. So, um, again, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay, Stay frightful, frightful, my, my friends. friends. I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. Ghouls. Uh.